Amen. That was a blessing. Thank you, Pastor Abel, for uh, sharing God's word through that song. Lord, help us be true to you this year. Amen. Uh, I'm so excited to be in the church today. Amen. Thank God for another day of life. Thank God for his faithfulness, for his goodness. Thank you for your presence here this morning. Uh, we are already blessed by uh, what we've heard, what we learned since this morning during our Sunday school time. And just a, a good way to start the year, amen? Uh, we try to start, start right and start strong by God's grace. And uh, they say whatever you do for, from the start, you will do the rest. So it's good to be a, have a good start, amen? It's like, it's like your, um, your car when it's like freezing point the whole night. And uh, you try to tune up your car, maintain it, isn't it? Then you won't have to worry during the morning when you try to go to work and start it, isn't it? But if you don't do your oil change, you don't test your batteries, you don't test your tires, there will be a big possibility when you try to crank up that starter in the morning that you won't go, isn't it? So it's good to have our batteries uh, checked this morning, amen? Spiritual batteries. We need to refuel for the rest of the year. And uh, I just thank the Lord that uh, we are able, amen? We are uh, given the privilege to continue to gather because we have spiritual freedom in Christ. We have spiritual re re um, uh, religion. We have spiritual also desire to be here today. And we'd like to thank also all our folks who are watching with us virtually. Thank God for this uh, platform whereby you cannot be with us physically, but you can be with us in the spirit. Amen. And you can be with us uh, in support. Uh, I hope that you are also having a good time like we're having a good time here inside the church. Amen? So today I'd like to share a, a simple message. Um, uh, this has been preached many times uh, also. Uh, it's from the book of Joshua. All right? Uh, the first historical books in the Bible. And I don't know um, if you traditionally do your New Year's resolution. Do you still do that, folks? You still have this, uh, you know, uh, set of goals or uh, aims or uh, things you want to do differently from last year. And I, I can still believe it. It's already 2021. Oh, there you go. See? It's already 2022. It's just like 2021 just passes by. And uh, by, the, by the way, we had a wonderful message and a wonderful time last uh New Year's Eve countdown service. Uh, we had a good uh, and wonderful time as a tradition, also most of all to give glory to God, whereby a few uh, individuals and families in our church are here uh, in our sanctuary to um, pray, to usher ourselves for the new year with God's uh, blessing and God's guidance. So thank God we can still do that a uh, few days ago, a couple of days ago. So we give God the, the glory. And this morning, we just like to honor him, isn't it? We just want to give him first place in our lives, in our hearts. That's why we are here today. And uh, thank you so much for our choir, for singing. Uh, already blessed my heart. I thank God that um, we can start the year right. So before we go to our main text today, I just like to share a few verses of scripture that God has uh, placed upon my heart. Um, I'm not going to sing anymore. I, I was like prompted to sing. That's why I went at the back and looked for a song. 
because I'm nervous. But uh, I have to preserve my voice uh, because we still have the Lord's table service, you know, and some recognition later on. But I just like to uh, give you this verse of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. If you have your Bibles with you before we uh, read our main text, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. This is uh, a wonderful passage of scripture where uh, the context of this verse is where Joshua, you know Joshua, that general of Moses, Joshua, one of the uh, 12 tribes, oh, 12 tribes, 12 spies among the 12 tribes sent to uh, Jericho to spy the land before they conquer it. And uh, Joshua, a great general military genius, was commissioned by, Mo by Moses to be his successor. So jo Deuteronomy chapter 31 is that uh, context. And he said to him in verse 6, be strong and of a good courage, fear not nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. If there's a verse of scripture we can get a hold of, amen? Claim, or like uh, really internalize in our Christian spiritual lives. This is one of those verses, amen? Be strong and of a good courage. Truly, uh, we're facing the unknown year of 2022, we don't know the specifics, the details of it. You might have uh, concocted some plans in your life. I will do this next year, or I will do this next week, or next month, next day. You, you might have, you know, some things you have in mind for you to do as an individual, as a family, for the next coming months. But you know what? We don't know if it will be able to, ha to happen or materialize, isn't it? Because we are not promised tomorrow. Uh, our main concern is for today. The Bible says, don't worry about the things of tomorrow in Matthew 6. Sufficient is the day are the problems thereof. You know? So we need to focus on the present, on today. But uh, we can plan, amen? We can make goals for the next coming weeks or months or the whole year. But we know that only God knows what the future holds. But the blessing for a Christian, for a believer, we know who holds our tomorrows, amen? We know who holds our future, and we can trust him. You know, um, be, of, be strong and of good courage. Fear not. Oh, fear not. Uh, we're living in a day and age of fearful things, uncertain things, uncertainties. You know, we have this, uh, we're still facing this uh, virus, this pandemic, which slows us down, you know, which sometimes alter or change our plans. But once again, the encouragement from God's word, our God is greater than any virus. Amen? Our God is greater than any problem or trials or challenges that we will face this year. We can just still be strong. Amen? Be courageous and fear not. Nor be afraid of them for the Lord thy God. He it is that go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. You know what? That is uh, being reiterated in the book of Hebrews. Now fear not. Because I am with thee, I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. So, what a wonderful passage of scripture to get a hold of this morning. And let me quote something from um, the great preacher, um, Charles Stanley. He said, The process of knowing God starts at salvation and continues throughout eternity. As your comprehension of Him grows, so will your understanding of His ways. You will become confident of His love, and a satisfying closeness will develop. Out of gratitude and love, 
you'll want to live in ways that please and glorify the Lord. Out of gratitude and love, you'll seek ways to please and glorify the Lord. May that be our goal, amen, for this year, that our simple lives will give glory and honor to his name. So um, let's stand. We'll open our Bible in the book of Joshua on the last um, chapter, all right? What's the last chapter of the book of Joshua? 24, there you go. Joshua 24. And um, I love the life and uh, biography of Joshua. Now, before uh, I wanted to be uh, a pilot, I believe that's the greatest occupation in the world, the highest. You're like 34,000 feet above the ground. But uh, I'm kind of scared of heights, so the next thing that I was thinking growing up is I want to be a soldier. I want to defend the country. I want to hold a gun and shoot somebody who's bad, you know? Or um, be trained, martial arts, be able to defend myself, my family. or But God did not allow to do that uh, in my behalf. Uh, I was not sent to the PMA but I was sent to the MDA, you know? But um, so I thank God for all of our uh, men and women in uniform still out there, amen? Defending our freedom, civil liberties, and we, we thank God for our police, our cops, uh, defending our civil liberties, and we are still enjoying it in this very day, very hour. But here, uh, this man, Joshua, as we know, was Moses' assistant and servant, isn't it? As we look at his uh, short biography here, found in Exodus 24, 13. And of course, he's also a successor of Moses, found in Numbers 27, verse 15 to 23. He served as a military field commander. He was a spiritual disciple of Moses when he accompanied him up the mountain to receive the Torah. Remember? When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, it was only Joshua who was allowed to go with him. He acted as a believing and courageous spy along with Caleb, Numbers 14, 6 to 10. As Israel's new leader after Moses, he functioned as a military commander in taking the land of Canaan and as an administrator in allotting the land. Joshua served as a model for all of Israel's future kings. He was a leader possessing the Lord's spirit and having prophetic sanction, Numbers 27, verse 18. He was both a military genius and a spiritual giant. Don't you know, uh, even though his name was not mentioned in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, but in Hebrews 11, there's a passage there, by faith the walls of Jericho crumbled down. And we know who's responsible, isn't it? To direct the armies of God, the Ark of the Covenant, the priest, in marching around the walls of Jericho for seven days. It's no other than Joshua. Joshua was used by God, all right? So the name Joshua simply means the Lord is my salvation. The Lord saves. So Joshua is the Hebrew word of the New Testament name Jesus. Because Jesus means Savior. All right? Deliverer. Uh, salvation is of the Lord. So Joshua is the New Testament Jesus. And Jesus is the Old Testament Joshua. Amen? Or Joshua. Okay? So... The definition simply means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. So um, it's just good for us to study this um, man of God. Uh, Joshua also demanded the children of Israel exact obedience to the Lord's word. 
And Joshua died at 110 years of age. And the New Testament mentions he's leading the Israelites into the promised land in Acts 7.45. So wonderful men of God to study today in this new year. First message, first sermon for the new year here in Bergen Bible Baptist Church. So let's read just one, oh, two passages of scripture, two verses, Joshua 24, 14, and 15. Then we'll have a word of prayer. Then we'll right away go to the message, all right? If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. Okay, let's read all together. Joshua 24, 14, and 15, begin. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's repeat that last phrase again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful Lord's Day. Thank you, Lord, for this first Sunday you've given to us whereby we can honor you through our lives, through uh, singing praises to thy wonderful and holy and righteous name. We can honor you by giving you the first place in our hearts today, giving you our time, our talent, our treasure, even our testimony, Lord. Lord, we recognize, we acknowledge that without you, we are nothing. We cannot even breathe today without your sufficient grace, sustaining grace. We cannot even make it this year, 2022, without thy loving kindness, without thy mercy that endureth forever, without thy grace that is so marvelous and amazing. Lord, we are just humbled today that you chose us to be saved. Out of the billions of people in this world today, thank you, Lord, that one day you found us in our sinful condition. One day you showered us with that wonderful gospel of Jesus. We heard the good news that God loves us so much. We also heard the bad news that we are lost in our sins. We are condemned. We are on our way to hell. We are condemned with the judgment of God for sin. But thank you, Lord, for your merciful and loving kindness and your grace that allowed us to understand that there is a God in heaven who came down here on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born on that Bethlehem manger 2,000 years ago. He grew up and fulfilled and obeyed all the law exactly as it is written so he could purchase righteousness in our behalf. And eventually, he died on that cruel cross, suffered as no man had suffered for our salvation. But thanks be to God, after three days, he rose again victoriously and ascended up into heaven. And now, he is praying and pleading for any soul here on earth that will hear the gospel is love, that they will trust him and him alone as their Lord and personal Savior. Lord, thank you so much for the so great salvation that we have in Jesus, because that had changed our eternal destiny forever. Thank you, Lord. We can never repay you. We can never thank you enough for the great salvation and deliverance that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for justification, that we are declared righteous in the sight of a holy God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Thank you, Lord, for sanctification. Thank you, Lord, that we are set apart for your purpose. 
We are set apart to serve you. We are set apart even this very year to make a difference in our lives. And thank you, Lord, also for that glorification, the time that you will change us forever, the time that we will be reunited with you and our deceased loved ones and friends forever in heaven. But while we wait for that soon return of Christ, help us, Lord, to be busy. Help us, Lord, to occupy your work here on earth while we still have the chance. And right now, Lord Father, we pray that you bless this message in our hearts. I know, Lord, this is a familiar passage of scripture, but make us, Lord, be able to make once again a definite decision to serve you with our family for the rest of our lives until you come again. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Joshua, wow, a wonderful man. Joshua chapter 24, as we begin reading the scriptures in verse 1, we know that this is Joshua's farewell address. You know, they, uh, they say a man is known by his ending. You know what? It's true, isn't it? Because we all start in this life when we were born. We all have a clean slate, isn't it? We all start afresh, but a man is always known by how he ends his life. That's why farewell addresses are very, very uh, profound. Here Joshua in verse 1 says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to, what's that place, folks? Shechem, isn't it? Shechem. If you study that place, this is a, a very uh, wonderful place in the Old Testament, here is the time where Joshua's public farewell takes place, Shechem. Probably the choice of Shechem was motivated by its important covenantal associations. See? Covenantal associations. First, we can see in the life of Abraham. Amen? Genesis 12. Abraham, from verses 1 to 7, this is the place where God made a covenant with him to establish the messianic lineage. All right? This unconditional promise, what we call Abrahamic covenant. This place is rich in spiritual heritage. Genesis 33, verse 18 to 20. Genesis 37, verse 12 to 14. Even Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 11. This is a place where God dealt with his uh, people, especially some specific individuals, and gave them his covenant, Shechem, you know. This place is also of a social prominence in the Joshua chapter 20, verse 7, one of the cities of refuge, Shechem. Joshua's call for the heads of Israel here in verse 1 is essentially a challenge for Israel to renew its basic covenant with God as we found in verse 25. So Shechem is a wonderful place for Joshua to say his farewell address. In verse 2, we read, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah. Who's Terah? The father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they serve other gods. You see, uh, when God uh, dealt with uh, the world as a whole, during the times of Noah, when God has to judge the world because of its wickedness and sin, 
and God spared Noah and his family, eight of them, and the whole human race was restarted. Amen? Out of eight people, the whole human race was repopulated through the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Remember? Shem is where uh, the godly line, the Messiah, would come. Uh, Ham is where uh, they reside in, in the Asia part. So here comes the Chinese in Africa. And Japheth, the European, they settled in those places. And uh, we see that they repopulated the earth. But before that happened, God gave them a commandment to scatter, isn't it? But what men did is they once again disobeyed God and they built the tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 10. And they had this leader, his name is Nimrod, who led them to idol worship. Amen? You know the history from the Bible. So God has to confound their languages. God has to make uh, English-speaking people, Japanese people, you know, Kapampangan, Ilocano. Is there already those? Ethnicity. So they cannot understand what they're saying. So each on their own languages that they understand, they group themselves and they started scattering abroad. And when they are scattered abroad, they build their own cities. They have their own cultures, languages, until the time that God called Abraham out of, of these many nations. And we see here in this verse 2 that they came from the land of Mesopotamia, all right, or in the Middle East. And this land as we know right now, is Iran. And uh, their number one sin there is idolatry. Uh, they are pagan. They are heathen. They serve many, many gods. All right? So God has to call Abraham out of that land in the Ur of Chaldees in Mesopotamia so he could show him that he is the one true living God. And in verse 3, it says there, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood or the river, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Talking here about the patriarchs. And I gave unto Isaac, who? Jacob and Esau. And I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir, to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Remember? When there was famine, Joseph, uh, Jacob and everybody in his family on his loins, like more than uh, 70 people to 120 traveled to Egypt where Joseph was prime minister to be spared from famine. And what happened? I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt and instead of coming back to the promised land that was promised to Abraham, jo uh, Jacob and his descendants, you know, the 12 tribes of Israel stayed in Goshen in Egypt until uh, there came a time that there rose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, isn't it? And they start enslaving them. And they were there for how many years? 400 years of bondage and slavery in Egypt. Until God raised, what was his name? Moses. And I sent Moses also an Aaron, verse 5. And I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. Remember the preaching of Pastor Abel? Uh, Pastor Abel. Pastor Jether he was going through Exodus. This is one of the greatest stories of deliverance among the children of Israel. Where uh, also we heard last Wednesday the preaching of one of our missionaries, Brother Tierra. What will you do when you are in facing the soldiers and the sea? Isn't it? In front of you. And that, that is what Joshua is trying to give out to the children of Israel, recalling 
the great deliverance of God in their behalf. So what happened? In verse 6, the Egyptians pursued after you and your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put, what? Darkness between you and the Egyptians. Mira miraculous, isn't it? They're pursuing them. God gave them darkness so they cannot pursue them. They cannot go another step. And brought the sea upon them and covered them. Amen? So that's a historical fact. All right? There's a lot of uh, people who criticize the Bible. You know what? Those Egyptian armies, chariots, they did not really die of uh, the Red Sea because right now the Red Sea is shallow. The Red Sea is, you know, only knee deep. Well, how can you drown horses and people if that Red Sea is knee deep? So we believe, I, I've been in Israel and I saw the Red Sea. It's really deep, all right? And God has to pass a, a wind during the whole night and, you know, the, the, the ground was dry and, you know, just picture with your sanctified imagination, you know? If, you, if you've uh, watched that movie, The Ten Commandments with Moses, isn't it? Two walls of ocean water and there's two million Jews, almost two million Jews, walking on dry ground. And there's the army, you know, being held back by darkness and the pillar of fire. And Moses and the children of Israel has no way of escape. There's mountains here. Right? It's only the Red Sea in front of them. They cannot go to this side. They cannot go to that side. They cannot go at the back or they'll be killed by the Egyptians. But God made a way, isn't it? In Exodus 14, 14, the, the Bible says, The Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. And God used Moses as an instrument and he raised his rod. They're out of God, you know? And when I get to heaven, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, what did you do with the rod of Moses, you know? Huh? Those objects whom God used as instrument of power. Isn't it? He raised the rod and the sea parted, and they were able to walk on dry ground. The same rod was used by God for Aaron and her to put it up, and while Moses' hands were up with the rod of God, the, the victory is being won by the children of Israel, isn't it? While they're fighting their enemies. But when his hands were weary and down, then they are getting defeated. That's why Aaron and her has to go and lift up both hands of Moses, isn't it? Pictures are deacons, you know? They are the ones who lift up the hands of the pastors, assisting them. You know? Later on, we will appreciate them. Amen? So here, in verse 8, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. You see, the Amorites are one of the uh, uh, parang uh, arch enemy of the Israelite people. And God is just merciful among the Amorites that God took 400 years, give them a chance for 400 years to repent of their sins, but they did not. So God has to use the children of Israel to Let's say holy war to judge them with their sins. That's why he commanded them to slay them, to annihilate them during this time, the Old Testament. But look here. And I brought you out into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that she might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called, familiar with this guy, Balaam. Who's Balaam? The guy to be blamed, Balaam, you know, all right? Balaam, he is a prophet, you know? He is a, a good seer. But you know what? He was hired to curse Israel by Balak, the king, their enemy. 
But look, even God can use his enemies, evil people who is greedy for his purpose. So it, it tells us that God is completely sovereign. Amen? He can use evil for our good. He can use our enemies to teach us a lesson. So instead of cursing Israel, he blessed them. And you know the story, he was like really uh, stubborn. He's riding his donkey, you know, he's trying to get to the place to curse Israel. And then the donkey stopped because the donkey saw, even the donkey has a spiritual eye, has a better spiritual eye than the prophet. He saw an angel on the way. And the donkey saw the angel and he doesn't want to move an inch. And Balaam is so furious. You are useless. So he tried to whip the donkey. Go, go. I'll be late. And the donkey has to speak. That's another miracle again. He rebuked the human. The animal rebuked the man. So that's the real evolution there. Amen? That's the real evolution. i rather believe that. Amen? Than an ape coming from a man. You know? Or a man coming from an ape. So the donkey speaks. So that's the story of Balaam. Look at that. Verse 10. And I, I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And he went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hevites and the Jebusites and the Termites. It's not there. All right? And I look at all this group of people. Somehow, you know what? They came from the lineage of either Ham or Canaan. They came from Esau. Oh, they're related also to, you know? So it means that we're all related to each other. <laughs> There's only one race, the human race. Amen? But there are people who feared God and walked in His ways. And there are also people who despise God and want to do evil. So these are the enemies of Is the Israelite people whom God delivered for them in the land of Canaan. And I sent the hornet. All right. Is this a literal hornet? Have you been stung by a hornet or a bee? It's painful, isn't it? But regardless, if this is figurative or literal, it means that God truly fought for his people. Amen? Gave them victory. And I said the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. Bow. And I've given you a land for which ye did not labor. Amen? Wow. The Israelite people are so blessed. And cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do ye eat. And then we read those two verses. So, I read those verses just to give you an introduction and we'll go to the message quickly. Amen? So you see, although the people of God had not yet, during this passage of scripture, completed the conquest, of the promised land, they were restless. They're eager. Yeah, we're having victories after victories. Joshua is such a good leader, a good general. He's truly a successor of Moses. God's hand is upon him. But the job is not complete yet. They've been fighting for seven years for the conquest of the land. So they were restless. They want to fight some more, gain some more. Because now they are feeling, they're believing the promises of God, of Jehovah. So, these are the three groups of people that Joshua gave this address in Joshua 24. Some of the people were strong in the faith, making a difference for God in their society. There were others also who had sold out body and soul to contemporary thoughts, morals, and practices. And in between the two were a large group of their countrymen 
who made no clear decision as to where they stood in relation to God. So they are people who are strong in their faith. There are people who are weak in their faith. And there are also people who are indecisive. They haven't made any choice yet or decision. So in this group of people, a lot of them, Joshua is giving this farewell address. The indecisive. Those that have strayed from their faith. They have been weakened with their faith. You know? So Joshua is urging them to move beyond indecision and restlessness to a clear-cut decision for God. And isn't it all of us makes decisions every day? We make choices every day. Today you made a choice. Either you're going to get up or stay in bed. Amen? Uh, you made a choice what to wear. You, you made a choice if you're going to shower or not. You know? You made a choice to do this. And every day our lives is defined by the choices we make. And those choices will become our decisions, and decisions will become your destiny. You see, all three groups still exist today. Let's spiritualize this. There are people who are still strong in their faith by God's grace. There's their faith that were um, uh, rolled back from last year. Amen? There are also people who are, had been weakened with their faith. They have some struggles, they have some problems, they have some trials, they have some losses. And it dampened, weakened their faith. But also there are people who are still indecisive whether they're going to trust God or whether they're going to keep, you know, uh, not trusting Him. So, these three groups exist today. You know, which one are you in though? That's the question. Amen? How about your house? I can only speak for my house. Why is it, though, the question that right decisions are more difficult to make than the wrong ones? Yeah, let's ponder about that for a little bit. Why is it that right decisions are more difficult to make than the wrong ones? Are we blaming our old sinful nature? That's why it's easier to make wrong decisions than the right ones. But we have a new nature now, isn't it? Supernatural from God. Um, yes, I can see this to my kids. You know, that sometimes wrong, poor, unwise decisions is easier to be made than the right ones. Sometimes you tell them something, you know, um, just try to clean your room so you can breathe better, you know. You have good intentions, it's for the benefit of everybody. But you know what? They'll make a decision to put it off. And we're all good at it, you know, procrastination. Oh, I have time later. Then, you know, a week passed and it's still there. <laughs> Isn't it? So, wrong decisions is easier to make than good ones. Because, yes, we live in, in our sinful state. We still have these uh, frailties. Someone has accurately observed that the path of least resistance is what makes people and rivers crooked. Isn't it? Some of the decisions that we make in life are not that earth-shattering. History will see little difference in the cereal you choose to eat for breakfast today. Did you have breakfast? Man, I did not too, so I have to preach faster. Amen? Uh, because there's, there's a spiritual feeding and a physical feeding later on. So, salamat po sa nag-donate. But there are choices in life that are important, even life-altering. Alright? What are the life-altering decisions, choices that we make in life? Who to marry? Amen? Hmm. What career to choose? What college course? Hmm. Life-altering, isn't it? 
Um, what else? Life-altering decisions. Um, of course, spiritually speaking, to trust Jesus for salvation or to trust my own good works for salvation. But we make life-altering decisions. These are choices made by every human being, and we have to live with the consequences. That's why Joshua begins by rehearsing for them all that God has done for them from verses 3 to 13. We just read that a while ago. He is asking the Israelite people to examine the facts and then decide. Joshua's primary concern is crystal clear. He wants them to know who the real God is. It is not with the might of their swords or the bows that had given them the victory in the fights that they have won, but they were given the victory by the power of God. God had done it all, but the people nevertheless have to choose God for themselves, intelligently, decisively, and willingly. That's why the title of our message is, Choose You This Year. Choose you, not just this year, choose you this day. Amen? Either to serve the Lord. Because we need to make our own decisions, our choices, intelligently, decisively, and willingly. God doesn't have to force you to choose Him. Amen? God doesn't have to force you to serve Him. God doesn't have to, to force you to know Him well, to know, to know Him more this year. It has to be your own choice. Aren't you glad you have your own choice? You have your own volition? Because God wants to have a personal relationship with us. God doesn't want us to just live for Him, serve Him, because we're forced to. If that happens, then it will not give any glory or pleasure to God. Because God wants a love relationship toward His children. Same thing with our relationship with our human relationships, with our with our fathers, with our mothers, with our children. You want them to love you not because they are forced to. You want them to love you intelligently, decisively, and willingly. You see, this is the same God who's asking them for their devotion to make a decision. This is the God who made the heaven and the earth. Amen? Genesis 1.1. This is the same God who loved them too much, who loved us too much to leave us in our sins. Romans 3.10, Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God, Romans 3.10 and 11 declares. This is the same God who demonstrated also His love toward us by sending His only begotten Son to earth to live among us. That's why we just celebrated Christmas. He was born so he could die for our sins. God has to come in the flesh so he can bleed and die. And later on, we will celebrate that. We will commemorate that memorial that happened 2,000 years ago that changed our lives drastically and dramatically for all eternity. The passion of Jesus Christ. Also, this is the same God who knew that we could never earn our way into heaven by our own good works. So he went to the cross bearing our sins. This is the same God whom the grave though could not hold and rose victoriously from it. This is the same God who established the church and who is coming back in the form of his son to bring all of human history to a culmination. This is the God that we are called to serve in Joshua 24, 15. You see, we choose whom we will serve. Amen? We choose whom we will serve. There can be little doubt about what Joshua is after. The word serve in verses 14 and 15 
Don't you know it appeared seven times if you're taking notes? Seven is the number of completion, perfectness. It appeared seven times in just those two verses, 14 and 15. Joshua, that they called for a decision that will help end the many spiritual, intellectual, and moral restlessness that marks so many lives during that time. And I can tell you today, it also marked a lot of Christian lives. What is that? Nowadays, there is an intellectual and moral restlessness. <sighs> Why we are restless and fearful this year, 2022? Okay, maybe the number one uh, answer you give me because of this COVID-19 virus, isn't it? Truly altered our lives, changed our lives. The way we react, the way we act, the way we conduct our businesses, everything. Because, of course, it is a plague, isn't it? It is a judgment, actually, into this sinful world. And as we've been studying the end of times, the end days, isn't it, in Matthew 24? I hope I have good news for you that it will be better. I have good news for you that we will reach a utopia with all the geniuses and the billionaires of the world and all their programs, and we will reach a utopia that everything will be peaceful, everybody will have a job, everybody will have a car, everybody will be happily married. But it seems like it's a fairy tale, you know? And they live happily ever after. But I'm sorry to say that will not happen in this world. I tell you, it's going to get worse. Ay, Pastor Samya na naman. Doom and gloom. You know why it has to get worse? Because the Lord is coming soon. Amen? Why is it uh, going to get worse? Because the Bible declares that the world, this earth, is groaning. Nag hindi naman naghihingalo. Ano? Uh, ano ba yung sa Tagalog ng groaning? Uh, naghihikahos. Or um, yung parang nanganganak, di ba? Sabi nga, the intensity and the frequency of the dilation, the pain. Same thing, because this world, this earth, physical earth, is waiting for its redemption. It's waiting for the curse to be lifted up. It's waiting for Jesus to come. The Prince of Peace to come. So, it means the things that we're seeing nowadays will not get better and better. But it can become worse and worse. But the good news is for a Christian, it can still become better. You know why? Because we have a lively hope. Because we are in Jesus. Because we still have the promises of God. Because He still encourages us to be of good courage. Fear not, for I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. Yan po ang kaibahan ng isang Kristiyano. Hindi tayo nag-iisa sa ating problema. Hindi tayo nag-iisa na tumungo sa panibagong taon. Amen? We have God on our side. We have the Bible. We have the Spirit of the living God that will direct us. You see, the word serve appears seven times, and we have to have the intellectual and moral decision and capacity to serve God with all our heart. That's why it says there, and now fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly and without reservation. Oh, wholeheartedly. Amen? We needed that. Because a lot of Christians only serve God half-heartedly. You know what? Even our kids, we ask them to do something, and they obey, and they obey half-heartedly. Sometimes it's a, uh, incomplete obedience. Ano, masaya ka kapag incomplete obedience? Hindi, di ba? Masaya ka ng konti. At least sumunod. Kahit nagmamaktol. Pero, mas masaya kung complete obedience. Kasi sometimes, 
you even have to do half of what they did not do. Same thing with God, isn't it? God is blessed. God is pleased. God is honored. When His children obey completely, wholeheartedly. Diba? Because God wants our heart. It's easy to serve half-heartedly. Yes, it is. But God wants our whole heart. Because He deserves it. Amen? He's worthy. Because He gave us wholeheartedly His Son to die on the cross. How can we match that? We can't. We're just thankful. We're just grateful. All right? So, look here. As we continue, hundreds of years later, after Joshua 24, hundreds of years later, the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel gave a similar challenge. 1 Kings 18.21, you know the story, you know the narrative. The Bible says, and Elijah, Elijah, who's Elijah? <clears throat> I love this prophet. He's a bombastic prophet. He's a prophet who is always in action. Amen? He's a prophet who always called fire from heaven to devour devoured his enemies. A man of many miracles. And who was his successor? Elijah. So, tandaan. Elijah. Elijah. What's the difference between these two prophets? Spelling. At saka address nila. Saka social security. Alright. The difference between these two prophets is that Elijah asked for a double portion of the miracle working power of Elijah. So, what Elijah did, Elijah did it two times more. Because he asked for that mantle. Remember? The one of the only two individuals in the Bible who did not taste death, who was translated to heaven, Enoch in Genesis, 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 and Elijah on the sides of the prophets. He was sinundushan ng chariot of fire. How would you like to die like that, you know? God said, ah, Elijah, come hither in heaven. I'll send my special Uber for you. Here's a chariot of fire. Because he loves fire, isn't it? He's the prophet of fire. Okay, come now, Elijah, and go to heaven with me. And Elijah was able to have his request granted. He was able to see Elijah being translated to glory to the chariot of fire. And he asked for a double portion. And Elijah said, if you'll see me, then I will give you the dome. So he handed him, throw him his blanket. His blanket, his mantle, you know, what they wear during that time. And he did twice as many miracles. And you see Elijah once again during the times of the New Testament in the Mount of Transfiguration. Who was with Elijah? When the disciples, James, John, and Peter was able to see a glimpse, a little tiny of Jesus' Shekinah glory. Remember, he emptied his glory. He became a man. But there was a time when they were in the mount that Elijah and, who's the other guy? Moses. Why do you think God allowed Moses to fellowship with Christ and Elijah? Not Enoch. Why was it Moses? You know what? Remember, Moses did not make it to the promised land because he smote the rock which represents Christ. As the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the rock that followed them which is Christ. God said, speak to the rock and it will give up water. So it happened before they were able to get water out of a rock. But the second time around, because two million Jews are murmuring, complaining, you know, questioning Moses and his leadership. So, nag-high blood si Moses. He became impatient, so he struck the rock with his rod twice. 
and he destroyed that wonderful object lesson that rock was Christ. He's only going to get smitten strike once, meaning he will only die for our sins on the cross once and for all. That's why our Catholic friends are in such error whenever they do the Eucharist, the Mass, that they are re-crucifying Jesus over and over again. It's like they're implying that what Christ had done on the cross is not complete, is not enough for their salvation. When we do the Lord's table later, we're not re-crucifying Jesus. We're not making his body literal and broken and make him bleed again for our sins because it was done once and for all 2,000 years ago. As the Bible says in Hebrews, he died for our sins once and for all. That's why there's no more need of animal sacrifices. There's no more need of your own personal sacrifices for you to make your way to heaven to earn the favor of God. All you need to do is trust Christ's finished work on the cross. That's the only means of salvation. It's already a done deal. That's why he said it is finished. That's why later we do it as a memorial. You know, isn't it good to remember somebody that you dearly love by the great acts of kindness that they did in your behalf. You know why? That's why our beloved pastor is still in our midst. I think she's gonna, he's going to stay there for another year. He's going to go through all of our activities. I, I don't know. It's my mother-in-law who is supposed to decide. You know? But memorial, that's what we do. So here, Joshua is giving the children of Israel a memorial of what God has done for them. He reflects on all that God has done for them in verses 1 to 13. You know what? It's the same pattern that is repeated in the New Testament. When we see the lavish goodness of God depicted from Romans chapter 1 to 11, and then Romans 12, 1 calls all men to do the only rational response. As God has given us His goodness, that ought to make us repentant of our sins. God said, now I've seen how, how I can save any man. The heathens in Romans chapter 1, the religious moral people in Romans chapter 2, anybody. I have a plan and a purpose for everybody in the world. I want to save them. I want to love them. I want to make them a part of my kingdom. So what should be our response? That's why it says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye... Present your bodies a, what again, folks? Living. What's the opposite of living? See, dead. There's a lot of Christians starting the year 2022. Their sacrifices to God are half dead. Will God be pleased with that? No. Because he deserves the best. Amen? Because he gave us the best sacrifice of all. The best sacrifice of his son for our salvation. So it says they're a living sacrifice. Secondly, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See? That's why we, we, we tried our best to take care of our bodies. You know why? Because you cannot serve God in your spirit. Because your spirit cannot be seen. It cannot give tithes and offerings. Amen? It cannot witness. You know? If you're dead, you're a ghost, you're a spirit, you cannot do any more work. That's why you still have your body. It's your shell. Your outer shell it's an instrument, a vehicle, so you can serve God. That's why we present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Why? Because we are not of our own, the Bible says. We are bought with a price. Some Christians are thinking, you know, they, when they got saved, the only thing that got saved is their soul and spirit. But their body still belongs to them. So oh, I'll bring my body wherever I want to go. I put stuff in my body, whatever I want to put, you know. But you know what? Salvation 
is part of those three things in our, in our entire being, isn't it? We are being saved in our, in our bodies, in our soul, in our spirit. And we know there's complete salvation when we get to heaven. That's, but the thing is, while we are still in this world, in this earth, we still have that sinful nature, that old nature that we war against. That's why Apostle Paul says, mortify the deeds of the flesh. Until the, we hear the great trumpet sound, until we die or get to heaven and we experience the resurrection of the Lord, then we will be completely healed, completely saved. But aren't you glad He is saving you each and every day? He's renewing you, as the Bible says. And be not conformed, in verse 2, to this world, but be ye from being conformed, not to be conformed, but be transformed. I'm so glad with the Bible. It gives us the bad Things first and to give us the solution, the good thing. Isn't it? Be not negative, conform, but the positive, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you want to know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life this year, 2022? I think we all do, isn't it? Is it God's will for you this 2022 to read His word? Amen. They said, read three chapters or four chapters a day. You'll read the Bible cover to cover. There's a lot of wonderful reading plan. Maybe that can be one of your goals this year. You know what? I I'm a Christian for 30 years now or 20 years. Of my I've never read God's love letter for me, even once. Cover to cover. Maybe before we get raptured, amen? We might get raptured 2022. At least before we get raptured, you say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for giving me your love letter. I was able to read it. Lord, I remember when I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I always read their love letter 10 times a year. But your love letter, I've never read it. Hmm. So maybe we can have that goal. So maybe we, is it God's will for you perfect, acceptable to pray more? Amen. Is it God's will perfect, holy, and acceptable for you to witness to somebody? It is. You don't have to pray for that. Is it God's will for you not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is? So marami ng absentee during the time of the book of Hebrews, no? Oh, what, what are the, their excuses? Oh, they might have a lot of excuses. But for us, by, once again, by God's grace, amen? Only by God's grace, we can still gather. No, we don't want to be uh, labeled forsakers, amen? But by God's grace, we want to continue to do His will. Hindi na pinagpipray yun. Magsisimba ba ako? Hindi na pinagpipray yun. Commandment na yun ng Panginoon eh. Sabi, di ba? Um, oh, hindi ako makasimba kasi may sakit. Of course, understandable. So, I will join in the spirit through virtual. Amen? And habang nag-virtual service ka, nag-worship service ka dyan, sa inyong mga bahay po, sa inyong pong mga lugar, di ba? Focus naman. Di ba? Alright? Huwag laging bibisita sa refrigerator o titignan mo kung ano yung nilalaban mo o O magte-text ka muna, di ba? Say, hindi kita nakikita eh. Hindi ka nakikita ng mga deacons, ng mga pastor. Hindi ka nakikita ni Tita Miling kung talaga nag-worship ka ngayon. Only God knows. God sees. And we're all accountable to God. You see? So, lakasan nyo yung volume nyo sa TV. Alright? Makinig kayo ng salita ng Panginoon kasi kailangan natin to. Amen? You wanna be blessed this year 2022? Put God first. He'll do the rest. Alright? We still have time. 
and didn't even get to the message. Four ingredients of a true decision for God. But we will do this next Sunday, Lord willing. All right? We'll go to that message because we have to go to our program. So let's bow our heads. Decision, decision, decision. I'm glad you make a decision to worship the Lord with us today. You know why? Because worship, worshiping God is a very intrinsic, integral part of a Christian life. It all starts with worship. And actually, this is a lost art in Christianity nowadays, especially us. Yes, I'm guilty of this, especially in America. You know, there are so much demands in our lives. We have a schedule to keep. I tell you, when you wake up tomorrow, as work or school week begins, I tell you, a lot of things will demand you of your time. But the encouragement this morning is, may we always find time. And you can always find time. We can always find room for the Lord in our busy schedule. You know why? Because He found a room and a time for us when He decided from eternity past to send His only begotten Son to die for your sins so you can be with Him in heaven. So if God was thinking of you and me, why we can't think of Him in the beginning of a day, the beginning of a week, the beginning of a month, or the beginning of a year? Diba? It just put us to shame with everything that God has done. His faithfulness, His goodness is overwhelming. Yes, you might have struggled last year, 2021. You might have lost some health, some loved ones, might have lost some relationship. But I tell you, what we gain from the Lord is much more than what we've lost. Just our salvation alone, just the promises of God, just that passage of scripture we read a while ago, be strong and have good courage. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, that verse alone will be able to propel us to keep on knowing and serving and hoping with God for the rest of the year. Yes, there are a lot of uncertainties. I don't know if I'll be healthy next week or tomorrow. I don't know if I can still keep my job next week or tomorrow. I don't know if I'll still be able to see the faces of my loved ones, friends that I treasure. I don't know. Nobody knows. But the blessing is as a Christian, come what may, come what may, we can always trust the Lord in all times, in all things. You know why? Because He is still sovereign. If we're able to place our souls and our spirit for His keeping, the moment of salvation, I believe we can still give Him our temporal needs and struggle because He cares. He wants to help us. So before I uh, end this message, this invitation, is there anybody in the sound of my voice, you've, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior? This is the most fearful thing for a person to experience and to know. If you rejected Jesus Christ, I'm sorry to tell you from the teaching of God's Word, hell is a place that you will suffer for all eternity because you have to pay your sins. But the good news is, once again, there is someone, his name is Jesus, who paid for your sin debt, the penalty of it, 
He shed His blood on the cross because He knew that you and I could never save ourselves. I tell you, no amount of good works or religion can bring a man to heaven because if it were so, then God the Father should have not sent His Son if there is another way for a person to be saved. But God knew there is no other way. And Christ declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto heaven or unto the Father in his presence except through me. There is no other name given among men whereby a person can be saved in Acts 4.12. So I urge you, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, If you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with our lips confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. It's simple to be saved because Christ did all the work. Just number one, realize you're a sinner. Number two, repent of your sins. Number three, receive him by faith as your Savior. If there's anybody in this room who's not saved or anybody that will be listening to this broadcast, I urge you, why not trust Christ today? I'll pray a prayer. You can pray this prayer as your own. Mean it with all your heart and pray this way. Lord Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. I can never, ever save myself. But I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. You shed your blood. You rose again from the grave to save me. I now repent of all my sins. Forgive me, Lord. And by faith, I receive you into my heart to be my Lord and personal Savior. Hear my prayer. Save me and help me live for you from this day forth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that prayer, let us know. For believers here, for Christians, the message is clear. We need to make a decisive, intelligent, and willing decision to choose not just this year, but every day to serve the Lord. It's not evil to serve the Lord. It's a great privilege. It's a great life. It's an awesome duty. Who are we, anyways, that God will invite us to serve Him and know Him? He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. We are just humbled that we can be allowed to His presence. We are just humbled that we can be a part of His ministry. We are just so humbled we can be a part of His kingdom. So I tell you, we are so blessed. That should motivate us to continue to serve Him because we are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. Father in heaven, as your people pray, you know our petitions, you know what our desires in our heart. Thank you, Lord, that you care. Thank you, Lord, that there is this man, Joshua of old, who made a decision together with his house, with his family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day. He made the right choice. May we make the right choice also. In the beginning of this year, no matter what, no matter what the devil will throw at us, no matter what the world will weigh us down, no matter what our sinful old nature will discourage us with, we will continue to serve you the best we can, by your grace, by your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.